Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Here we are in our B Cause series. So finishing off our B Cause series. Living for the cause of Christ has been our focus over the last month. And so for the past three weeks, we have explored the vision of our church, which is the roadmap for how we live out the cause of Christ here at C3 Church Watson. And that is, of course, we want to see you connected to Jesus, growing as a disciple and serving his purpose. So we're going to be wrapping up our B Cause series today by looking a little bit more at or a little bit deeper into discipleship. What does it mean to be followers of Jesus? So if we are to live outwardly the cause of Christ, to go and change the world, as we're called to do, we must first be living inwardly the ways of Christ and be changed by them. Discipleship is lived from the inside out. So if we treat discipleship as purely an outward act, then it simply becomes a set of rules and regulations that we have to follow. I can do this, I must do this, I can't do that, which is how the world largely views Christianity. Perhaps you do too. But if the words and the ways of Jesus become a part of who we are and change us from the inside, then the world gets to see an entirely different perspective, a different picture. Instead of rules and regulations, they get to meet Jesus. They get to see God in us. See, Jesus' work here on earth was to reveal God, to make God known to others through his life as he spoke to them, as he lived out the truth of God. And as his disciples, our call is the same. Our work is the same. So when Jesus walked this earth, he picked 12 ordinary men and he spent three years living with them, teaching them, transforming them with God's words. He discipled them. They watched him speak to people. They watched him behave. They watched how he was in the public space. They watched how he was in the private space. Every aspect of his life reflected God. And it came time, as we know, for Jesus to leave and to pass that work on to the disciples, to carry on and to do the same for others. So on the night Jesus was to be arrested and ultimately put to death, the scriptures tell us that he went into a place of prayer and he poured out his heart for his disciples and his will for his disciples in that prayer because he was passing this very sacred task onto them. So in John 17, Jesus said this as he began his prayer. He said, God, I have revealed you to those you gave me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. 
So Jesus gave the disciples everything that God had given to him. Every word. He revealed God. And we see in that prayer, as Jesus continues to pray his heart and his will for his disciples to equip and to release them for their work, there's some really key truths in that prayer that I think are applicable to us as his modern day disciples. And so we're going to look at some of them today. Now there's a lot in that prayer, so I really encourage you to go and pick it apart for yourselves at another time, but we're going to pick up on just three things today. And they all start with the letter C, so you're welcome. I did that for you. Yep. You're welcome. Okay, so the first one is this. The first point is this. We are called to change. As disciples, we are called to change. You should be constantly changing as a disciple of, of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 says, You are being transformed into the image of Jesus in ever-increasing glory from God. The more you are like Jesus, the more you reveal Jesus. Jesus' prayer for his disciples in John 17 was this, God, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they true may be truly sanctified. You know, that word sanctify or sanctified is just a really fancy way of saying that we are becoming more like Jesus so that we can live out the cause of Christ here in the world. And as followers of Jesus, we should stand out in the world. We should be distinct, looking more like Jesus than the world that we live in. So a marker of discipleship is that you're not the same today as you were a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. You're growing, and I'm not talking about your waistline. That might be growing as well. Would it be nice if discipleship was just around two blocks of chocolate a day? But no, you should be growing in character, in attitudes, identity, perspective, behavior, all becoming more and more aligned to Jesus. But God loves me just the way I am. Yes and no. Yes and no. The fact that God loves you the way that you are is not because of what you are like. It's because what he is like. While you are unconditionally loved by God, you could probably be a little bit more lovable with a few tweaks here and there. We are called to change. You need to change. I need to change for the world to see more of him. See, God's love for you doesn't change, but his love for you compels and facilitates change. He transforms his people so they can transform the world. So when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So it's a process of being made into the type of person and the type of people who reveal him more and who draw others to him more and more. We had a discussion in a group last year, um, and we were actually talking about this this concept of discipleship, and do I think I'm a disciple? Do I feel like a disciple? And it was really interesting to hear that many didn't feel like they were a disciple or didn't think they were a disciple of Jesus because they didn't feel like their lives lived up to it. They weren't good enough for the call. 
We don't become disciples of Jesus because we finally got our lives together, because we finally got our lives in order. We become disciples the moment we surrender our lives to him. And who we choose to look to and follow when we're facing those areas of our lives that are are weaker or don't measure up, well, that's the making of a disciple. That's where we're made. And it doesn't matter whether you think you've got far further to go than the person sitting next to you. I mean, take a moment and look at the person sitting next to you and breathe a sigh of relief because they've got further to go than you do. (laughs) As disciples, we are all in a process of reorienting our entire lives to God. It's not you've got about a 75% change happening over here, 68 over here, 99 in the back row there, and Amanda, 1%, just 1%, is whole of life orientation, whole of life orientation for the truth for every single one of us. So Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. So he's pointing to the word of God as being the thing that sets you apart from the world. It's the thing that you have that the world doesn't. It's what changes you and changes the way that you do life. So when we're in the scriptures, we should be feeding on it, feeding on it, feeding on it to change our lives. A couple of weeks ago, I was with, sitting with God and I was um, struggling with some very um, impossible things in my world that I needed him to change. I couldn't change them. I had tried and I couldn't change them. And as I came into the presence of God, I was, I was in the scripture in Matthew 26, which actually happens to be on the same night that Jesus prayed this prayer. It was the night before he was to die. And he was sharing in the Passover meal with his disciples. Now, many of you know the scriptures of this, um, this story because we speak them regularly as we share communion together. So it's when Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. And he took the wine and, and he poured it out. And he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of all sins. Drink it, all of you. And I was dwelling on this scripture as Jesus shared this meal with his disciples. And I, I realized in that moment that, that these disciples and Jesus would have shared in the pas- Passover meal many times before, every year before. They would have shared the bread And the wine together many, many times. But in this moment, Jesus had taken the elements, the bread and the wine, and he had redefined them. He'd said, this is now my body. This is now my blood. And as I dwelt on this scripture, the revelation just dropped straight into my spirit which was that Jesus redefines everything. He redefines everything. And as that scripture, as that revelation took a hold of me, I changed. Now, my circumstances didn't change. I'm still facing those circumstances, those impossible things, but my perspective of them changed. I was able to look at them and say, Jesus, how are you redefining this? 
in my life. I know how I define it. How do you define it? How are you redefining it? And that's something I've done many, many times since that day, not just in that circumstance, but in many others. It was the truth that brought the change that God wanted in me, which means I now do life differently to before, and that is sanctification. And to take that very revelation and to apply it here, Discipleship is allowing Jesus to redefine every part of your life by his truth. We can see it throughout the scriptures. Jesus' life was one of redefining the world. He redefined identities. He made Simon into Peter and Saul into Paul. He redefined callings from fishermen to fishers of men. He redefined the world's response to sin when he poured out grace and mercy and love on the woman caught in adultery instead of punishment. He redefined what it meant to be blessed in the eyes of the world in his Sermon on the Mount. He redefines our weakness as our strength. He redefines the ashes of your life as something beautiful, the impossible as possible, and slavery to him as true freedom. He redefines everything if we let him. You don't have to be changed by truth, but you get to be. You get to be with Jesus. And that brings us to our second point, which is this. Discipleship is costly. This is a fun one, isn't it? Discipleship is costly. Change isn't cheap. Change isn't cheap. Who knows that growth hurts? It can hurt. One of my daughters goes through weeks where she will wake in the middle of the night crying because her legs ache. They ache so bad she has growing pains. I remember them well from my childhood. And I remember well, as I'm sure you do, the pains of growing your inner world. It can be the pain of conviction that's driving you to a place of repentance or the pain of challenging those lies that have held on so tightly for so long or the pain of the stretch that comes in our spirits when we're trusting God to be everything he said he would be and do everything he said he would do. So in this prayer, Jesus points to there being a cost to discipleship. He says this, I have given them your word and the world hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You know, to stand for something different to what the world stands for is not going to endear you to the world all the time. Many moons ago when I was doing my undergraduate studies in psychology, I asked a question in one of my lectures about the place of spirituality in mental health and recovery. And that did not go down well, let me say. And in fact, the lecturer who figured out that I was a Christian uh, took as many opportunities as possible from that point on to denigrate Christianity in each of her lectures, looking straight at me every single time. She hated Christians. She hated Christianity. 
You know, I've been misunderstood and disliked by people who misunderstand and dislike God. I've lost friendships over faith. And the world over people have paid a far, far higher price than I as they have stood in truth. See, the reality of discipleship is that it will cost us our lives. Maybe not a physical death, but a giving up of your whole life to the Lordship of Jesus. The Apostle Paul put it this way, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, I no longer live according to my own desires and wants, but entirely according to the truth of God. Now in Luke, Jesus tells the gathered crowds, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. He's not beating around the bush there. In his book, Live No Lies, John Mark Comer tells the story of knights who before going into battle would be baptised. But they would be baptised holding their swords above their heads and out of the water. You can have everything but this God. For them, it was, you can't have my violence and you can't have my quest for glory. What is it for you? Every one of us is or will want to hold something back from God. Finances, that relationship, that wound, that habit, that stance, that political or theological stance. Are you holding something back from him? One of the greatest growing pains in discipleship is self-denial. And it also seems to want, be one of the most unreasonable asks of our day, to deny the self. Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, there Jesus goes again, redefining loss as gain. See, as disciples, we get to lay down everything. Our identity, circumstance and experiences and hurts and joys and dreams and desires, everything we feel is rightfully ours. Fully immersing it in the waters in surrender to God. And surrendered in Christ, you will gain far more than you will ever give. Romans 8 says, God will freely give his children all things. All things. He gives us life abundant here on earth and into eternity. So maybe the cost of discipleship is not, I have to suffer the pains of following Jesus. But rather, God, I give you my all and I receive your all. See, imagine what the world would see. Imagine how the world would be impacted if we lived our lives revealing his all. Which brings us to the third point, and it's this. Discipleship 
is corporate. It works best in community. There you go, you get an extra C word, extra bonus C word. So Jesus prayed, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So discipleship brings us to unity with Jesus, but also with each other. And Jesus gave us a picture of this unity outworked as he gathered the original disciples together and he taught them as they did life together, strengthening them both individually and corporately. See, one of the greatest gifts that God gives us as his disciples is family, the community of the church. So much of what you gain from God comes from being a part of the body of Christ. Some of what I need is in you and some of what you need is in me. See, God will use the people around you to disciple you. He will speak to you and he will change you through others as we learn and share together. And I get to see this happen regularly in Freedom Group, which is a really exciting thing. So a couple of Years ago, especially, I see it regularly, but this one occasion, one woman brought um, the revelation to group. She was sharing the revelation in group of what it is God had showed her that week um, through the study. And I think it was around forgiveness. And so she brought this, this sharing into our time together. And as she was sharing, I could see out of the corner of my eye, another member of the group was being visibly impacted, which is code for crying in women's groups. So she was being visibly impacted by what God was doing or saying through this other woman. And as we got to her turn to share, she just was overwhelmed because God had spoken directly into her life through what he'd shared, what this other woman had shared. So much so that she said she felt something snap off her as the other woman was sharing. We'll get the band up. So you've heard it preached throughout this series that the church is designed to be the place where we grow in truth together, where the less glorious parts of ourselves are shaped and moulded and transformed into the image of Christ with the help of others. For me personally, it's the people in this church that I get to do life with who are consistently pointing me back to the truth, consistently encouraging me to fix my eyes on Jesus in every detail of my life. I regularly find myself in a place of gratitude for what God brings into my life through others. And then I get to do this with you all. He wants that for you. He wants to fill you, grow you through the body. And if that's not yet your experience, we would love to help you do that. You can fill out a connection card and let us know and we will help you find that place of community. See, at the end of his prayer in John 17, Jesus closed with these words. And for me, I've taken them as a personal prayer and made it my own. And I encourage you to do the same. 
because I believe it's a powerful prayer that as a disciple we can pray as we change and surrender our all together. And it is this, God, I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that Jesus may be in them. So maybe you're here today and you've heard about fully surrendering to God. Maybe you haven't yet taken that first step of surrendering your life to Him. The first step on the pathway of discipleship. We want to give you the chance to do that today. Or maybe you're here and you've done that before, but you feel like you need to make that decision afresh. Take a moment to step back into his presence and fully surrender your life to him. We want to give you that chance to do that today. And we're going to pray a prayer together. But I want to encourage you as well that if there's areas of your life that you haven't fully surrendered to God, or there's areas of your life where you're finding it a struggle in this change process. The pain of change is challenging. I want to encourage you to come forward at the end of the service because we have a prayer team here who would love to pray with you. Let the community of this place gather around you. Let the community of this place be a part of bringing what it is that God has for you. So we're going to pray together out loud. If you're wanting to give your life to Christ for the first time or surrender your life afresh to Him, why don't you pray along with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that you took every sin of mine and it was crucified with you. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Saviour. Forgive me of my sins. Teach me to walk in your ways and to share your love in every way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.